Well, hi. Oh, she's back. She's back. She's still slightly blocked mm-hmm. up, but she can talk, so... You just couldn't stay away from um, Fun Fact Friday, could you? Well, also, you do a lot of crazy things when you get sick um, and you're just lying in bed for three days. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I had no choice but to come back. I had a, an existential panic, which I sort of teased in the work chat, didn't I? And it got everyone a little bit nervous. Everybody got very excited. They were like, did you buy a house? Are you pregnant? <laughs> You made a life-changing decision, you said. Yeah, like, you really, you hammed it up, didn't you? All right, are you ready to hear what it is? Because you will get very, everyone on the team will get very angry at me now that I reveal it. Yeah. I panicked that I was listening to the wrong Taylor Swift songs in preparation for the Errors tour, because she obviously will come to New Zealand. So my life decision is that I will only be listening to the songs from the Taylor Swift set list. That's your substantial life decision, is it? That was my panic. I'm so glad that you're back on the show now because if that's a substantial life decision. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's lovely to have you back. Anyway, let's get to the show, shall we? Uh, Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. North Korea's spy satellite launch didn't quite go as planned, but why we should still be paying attention to it. Queen's birthday is gone, so long live King's birthday. But what are the rules? The US state pardoning witches 400 years later. And of course it's Friday. You know what that means. Ding, ding, ding. Do we need even to say it? It's Fun Fact Friday. Emil's comeback continues. The score is currently lodged at an embarrassing 9-5 in favour of MO. Uh, All of that is coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. North Korea's back in the headlines, which generally means something strange and or existentially terrifying has happened. And this time, it's kind of a blend of both. North Korea has tried to launch its first spy satellite into space. However tried is the operative word there. The wreckage of the crashed satellite was retrieved by South Korean authorities about 200 kilometres away. Alex Tan is a professor of international relations at the University of Canterbury and he's here now to chat. Kia ora, Alex. Kia ora. Why would North Korea be trying to launch a spy satellite, do you think? Uh, I think it's just the next step of their military development uh, to ensure that they will have good intelligence with regards to movements around that area. And as you will know, the United States, South Korea, and Japan, they all have these military exercises. And for them, you know, as a country as paranoid as they are, uh, they'd like to get as many information for advance notice in case something happens. What does this tell us, Alex, about North Korea's technological and military ambitions? The ambition is very big, whether their technology is there just yet, probably not quite. Uh, But they do have very ambitious technological, particularly with applications to the military, right? Because that country, North Korea, they have this military first policy. So everything comes in, it has to be the military number one. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, they are very, very ambitious. You can see, you know, we've been having a hard time dealing with their nuclear problem, right? Mm. Alex, the, you know, the satellite crashed, which in a sense is kind of, uh, amusing, kind of reminds me of the old Soviet jokes. But, like, 
How do you feel about this? Are you kind of like, haha, the North Korean satellite crashed? Or are you more kind of freaked out that they are actually trying to launch one in the first place? Uh, I think I'm more worried. And we can couple it with this uh, joke about these very weak technologies. But on the one hand, if they are so imprecise and so uncontrollable, what if it lands on in the middle of Seoul, right? So that's the danger, right? So mm. for me, it's uh, it's a signal of their ambitions, but it also signals that it's about a matter of time whether they break through and get that right, so to speak. There is more recent uh, intelligence now that just came in. Uh, it's quite likely that part of the failure was they rushed this particular launch, but they are, South Korean intelligence is also saying that uh, watch out watch that space because they're going to come at it again. I uh, don't know what time until, uh, but they'll they'll definitely try it again. Alex, isn't this launch actually illegal? The UN has banned North Korea from doing ballistic rocket launches, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter for them, though. I mean, they're rogue states, right? I mean, for a country that has nothing to lose and also, again, like always wanting an attention, as you say uh, earlier, that these are things to keep them relevant, like, it almost feels like when the news cycle is kind of dying on North Korea, they'll come back and find something to make themselves in the news again. Alex Tan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. You know what just doesn't roll off the tongue? Red lorry, yellow lorry? No, it's K- K- King's birthday weekend. It feels weird saying it, you know? Although I'm sure that's exactly what they said the first time that they had to change it to Queen's birthday. I wonder if they even had a public holiday back then. In the Cretaceous mm. era, yeah. Um, we're not here though to discuss the name of the monarch's birthday weekend. We are here to remind you about what happens on this public holiday. So go on, Emo, what's going to be open? Well, short answer is essentially everything should be open. There's no obligation for retailers or cafes to be closed. That's reserved for Christmas Day, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, and half of Anzac Day. That's right, half of Anzac Day. <laughs> it's 1pm, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's not a fun day to be working at a bar. Um, remind us, too, what do you get if you work on a public holiday? You will be paid time and a half, and then you'll also get a day in lieu. A day in lieu. Yes. Is it lieu? Rolling in the cash. Day, day, in, day in lieu. Day, day in lieu. Day in lieu. Not a day in the lieu. Um, I mean, depends on how yeah. you like to spend your working hours, I suppose. Yeah, or the night before Queen's, the King's birthday, I suppose. Were you a big fan of working on public holidays? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Short. <laughs> you really had to think about that one, didn't you? I was yeah. like, how do I how do I put this other than just saying no, no. And I've always worked jobs where I had to work public holidays. I, I feel like every single job I've ever had... Because I worked in hospitality yeah. before getting into journalism. What about you? No, I was always a big fan of working on public holidays. Give me that Give me that cheddar. Yeah, I like the sweet, sweet cheddar, but I also like spending time with family and friends. <laughs> Lame. All right, anyway, <laughs> let's talk surcharges. What's the deal there? Because businesses will be paying staff extra, right, that time and a half, you'll find that mm. most hospo venues will add a 15% surcharge to your bill on most public holidays, right? And interestingly... I believe there is actually no limit to how much a surcharge can be. Mm. 15% just seems to be the going rate these days. That surcharge, of course, has to be displayed, signposted, pointed out very clearly by the business that has decided to put it on. Otherwise, if they do not signal it clearly enough, they are breaching the Fair Trade Act. Furthermore, (coughs) technically, surcharges can be added on any day of the year that a business wants but the business does need to disclose the reason 
And this is where it gets interesting. If you go to a cafe on Saturday or Sunday, say, this weekend, and there's a surcharge, and they say the reason is it's a public holiday, technically, wrong answer, that's not technically correct, because the public holiday is Monday. So you would have the right to complain. I love that. That's an interesting fact. Like, I, I like and it's the not idea even of, Fun Fact Friday segment. You're welcome. <laughs> I just I like the idea of rolling up to a restaurant and it saying there's a 20% surcharge, the reason being because I felt like it. That's why. What are you going to do I, about it? The more you know. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about that got to journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line no, there. That, I think that, it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, that, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. That's, Nothing if in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to take you to Connecticut now because the US state is pardoning witches. Yes, you heard that right. Nearly 400 years after the fact, Connecticut legislators are formally apologising and clearing the names of the men and women tried and executed for the crime of witchcraft. Joining us now for more is Susan Haig. She's a journalist for the Associated Press based in Connecticut. Hello, Susan. How are you doing? Hello. How are you? Very well, thanks. Um, Tell us where all of this came from. Why are we seeing these pardons now? This has actually been something that uh, ancestors and history buffs, uh, ancestors of witches, have been asking for for years. A lot of people don't realize the witch trials happened in Connecticut before Massachusetts, which Maybe you've heard of Salem, Massachusetts, and that's where um, a lot of witches were killed. But Connecticut was like um, decades before. And year after year at the Connecticut state legislature, there have been these bills proposed. And then this year, it really gained a lot more momentum because people have really gotten into genealogy, especially during the pandemic. And people were learning that they were related to these women and some men who were accused of witchcraft. How many people are we talking here? How many people were accused of witchcraft in Connecticut? In Connecticut, there were around, I'm told, about 40. Ultimately, there were um, 11 people that were killed. Nine were women, two were men, and then one woman somehow got out of it. Um, And most of them were hanged, sadly. Uh, There were some where they were drowned. It's it's a a terrible story. Susan, remind us of some of the things these women were accused of doing, the charges of witchery. There was this one woman in Connecticut who wasn't even at the scene, but there were these soldiers who were practicing marching around a, uh, a, a town green, and one of them, their gun went off, and it, I think it, it injured someone. And anyway, the woman, I don't even think she was anywhere nearby, but she was blamed for bewitching the gun, which made no sense at all. A lot of times these things would come up when uh, maybe a child might die unexpectedly or someone's cow might die or crops might uh, falter. Some state legislators voted against the pardoning. What can you tell us about that? (laughs) Well, it happened in the House, too. Um, There was only one senator who voted no. I just looked it up. In the House, it was 121 to 30. We have two chambers. 
Different things came up about this. I mean, Connecticut was not a state when this happened. We were a, a British colony. And a lot of these lawmakers said, who are we to be apologizing for something that wasn't our fault? It's a fascinating story. Susan Haig from the AP, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. It's nice talking with you guys. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Well, you had a lot of time to think about Fun Fact Friday, didn't you? Well, no, I was just busy listening to Taylor Swift's set list. Oh, okay, so you haven't thought about it at all? No, no, I didn't. I came to work, I came to work today in a panic. Really? Oh. Another panic. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's convincing. I did, I promise. But the fact I have stumbled across... Is very good. All right. Well, just just reminding people, the scores as they stand are nine points to Mo. I think is it nine or ten? Oh, should we just round it up to twelve? I'm ready. Between the years 1912 and 1948, there used to be an art category at the Olympics. Really? You used to be able to win a medal. For painting, sculpture, literature, or music. What? Yeah, and it had to be the um, the art had to be inspired by by athletes or or an event at the Olympics. And you got a medal, like a like a you gold got medal. a medal. Yes, yes. I think one hundred and fifty one medals relating to this art category were handed out uh, between the years nineteen twelve and nineteen forty eight. So very like quite recently, you know, in the big scheme of things, was was the art category cut. Yeah, I love the idea of a tiny little weedy artist man smoking a cigarette with a pencil moustache, being like, "Yeah, this is my Olympic gold medal." I'm an Olympian. Too. Yeah, for for charcoal sketching. <laughs> um, that's a great fun fact. Well, um, my fun fact is a little bit shorter than that. Um, you can make diamonds out of peanut butter. What? Yeah. Um, so like, you know how di- diamonds are Forever Also a girl's best friend Sorry, it was just there for the Are you interrupting my train of thought right now? Are you trying to <laughs> Are you trying to sabotage my excellent fun facts By interrupting with funny one-line quips? <laughs> Is that not That's not something I would ever do I don't know what you're talking about So diamonds are pretty much made out of carbon, right? Um, that has been subjected to a lot of heat And a lot of pressure deep within mm. the Earth's crust um, Peanut butter, interestingly, is a very carbon-rich food. So this dude who is a scientist at a university in Germany, he took some peanut butter and he took it to a lab and he replicated the extremely high pressure and temperatures that you might find in the Earth's crust. And hey, presto, he made a diamond out of peanut butter. But it's not something I can do at home? It's not something that you could do at home, unless you have a, a $40 million lab in your broom cupboard. But a gas stove. Um, and, you know, a very clever scientist living there. Bean might be able to do it. Also, I wonder... Was it crunchy or smooth? That is such a good question. 
<laughs> we will investigate uh, and we will report back on Tuesday. But that is newsable for today. Uh, remember to vote for your favourite fun fact on the Instagram page. We are at NewsableNZ. Uh, my name's Emil Donovan. And I'm Imogen Wells. You can also hit us up directly if you've got something to say. If you want to vote via email, those count as well. Email us at newsable at stuff.co.nz. You can also follow us wherever you get your podcasts and across all your social channels at NewsableNZ. Once again, is that handle. Have a great weekend. And if you know someone who won an Olympic medal for art, please get in touch. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support.